Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast, where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back, and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome to another episode of the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast. I am super excited to have my great friend, Todd Genitasio with me. He is a veteran marketing expert who's been featured by Entrepreneur, Forbes, and Huffington Post for his proven systems to grow brands online and build engaged audiences in constantly evolving digital world. His combination of fundamental principles and modern marketing strategies are what create a force multiplier for businesses. Todd and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, we used to host a podcast together in oh, yeah. another life and um, we met through podcasting. So I'm super excited. This episode has been two years overdue. Todd, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. And you know, I don't even know if you remember this, but I was on your more than corporate show. You were. Episode 128, November 16th, 2020. So going back, it's been, it's, been years it's been a while since then. It's yeah. crazy to be thinking about how long we've both been podcasting. Yeah. Because you in have one been instance, much more, you, you stuck in more consistently. I kind of, it's been about a year, maybe, maybe a little bit more. Um, I still love it. I think it's a great channel. Um, we just had, I had a lot of other stuff going on and you know how it is. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we can dig into when we talk about marketing as well. That's so incredibly important is giving yourself that willingness to mm -hmm. shift and morph and grow and change. And, yeah. um, rebranding this podcast was super emotionally, um, taxing for me because I went through all the logical stuff. But yep. it was like letting go of this kid that I had <laughs> raised. Like you go, you've done your job. You go off into the world, right? Well, logical so. stuff is easy. Anybody can Ain't do logical stuff. It's the it's the becoming the new person that makes the change, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's and so over true. the last like uh, less than a year, I've been working um, with consulting with clients as opposed to just like done for you mm. services, and uh, it's been interesting. From, you know, I've been through a, you know, big personal development journey like you. So I'm familiar with like all these concepts, but I don't consider myself a coach from that perspective like you are. But I'm very familiar with being on the other side of being coached and how the, you know, different mindset things and our subconscious identity and the stories that we tell ourselves and our bullshit boxes. Right. And yeah. so when clients come into the mastermind, and they want to be creating like you know, they want to have a podcast or they want to be creating more content. That's the stuff that I help people with. And uh, they think that it's, well, I don't know what to post, right? Like quote unquote. And so it's like, all right, in 15 minutes, I come up with an entire quarter's worth of content strategy where we're like, all right, here, the, if this is your audience and here's what you offer and help them with, here's like five different pillars and 10 different angles and let, and here's an outline for like, three posts a day for the next three months. And here's your 12 episodes that you could do if you want to do weekly episodes. And it's all topics they're familiar with. They know the answer to. If you sit down and have a cup of coffee and ask them these things, they'll they'll riff them off the top of their head, no problem. 
And then like a week goes by and it's like, Hey, you didn't do the, the three assignments from last week. How come? And they're like, well, I, I, I didn't. So there's, there's what to do. And then there's how to do it. Right. So yeah. then, and then, then they have this excuse where they're like, well, I didn't know how to do it. And I'm like, uh, open your phone. Yeah. Press that camera button and read the question that you want to answer and then answer it. And they do that. And they're like, Oh, that's it. Like, it's that easy. I'm like, yeah. And then next week's call come on. I'm like, Hey, you haven't done anything since that one that we did together. And why not? And it, you know what to do and you know how to do it. The problem that I've identified here now, I now it's my fun job to figure out how to integrate this into my consulting business is you're not the person who creates and posts content. You know what to do. You know how to do it. You have the instructions. Now, you know, first of all, how easy is it to post on Facebook? You open it up and you type, you type and hit post. It's not technically difficult. No, they're going to do it to talk about how they can't post content. They're going to be, it, they're going to go on there and they're going to post. I'm just not the type of person that can post content when they post content. Right. And, and it is totally an identity issue. And it's that it's not in their calendar. And even if it was, they would procrastinate around it or, or replace it with something that's they think is a higher priority, but it's just actually easier or more comfortable, right? With our substitution heuristic where it's like, oh, this is, th these things are of equal importance, kind of, I'm going to do that other one instead because I'm familiar with how to do that. And, and I'm the type of person who does those things. I'm not the type of person who posts on Instagram or knows how to yeah. post for my business. I'm not a promotional person. And that's another thing too. People will think, Oh, posting on social media for my business is too promotion-y and I'm not that kind of spammy person. I'm like, yo, answering a question someone asked you is not being spammy, right? Could like you imagine if we were like that in real life? Like we are in our place of business or we're at a friend's house. Let's go friend's house. That's more Facebooky. Yeah, yeah. We're at a friend's house and somebody walks up and they're like, Hey, I saw that you did this really cool thing. Can I ask you a question about it? You're like, Nope, I'm sorry. I don't answer questions because <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't want to be spammy. Do you want to talk about the weather? <laughs> Because yeah. I hear it's really weathery outside today. <laughs> Let's talk about that instead. Because And it's crazy, though, because this is me. You and I were just talking about the, the blocks before we went on yeah. about the way that we lump information is so crazy. And this is where we intersect and our, our, our mm. conversations intersect. Because I was for so long in this block where I was like, I don't cold call. And I remember somebody saying, what about following up with leads is cold calling? And I'm like, all of it. Like, I'm calling and I'm cold. That's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that makes it cold calling. And I had to go through this mindset shift of like cold calling is legit. Let me date myself like the yellow pages right. and yeah. going down yeah. from top to bottom. It's not somebody has liked your post or raised their hand or opted in for your free thing that they like, and you're now going to follow up with them. That ain't cold calling. But in my head, that's it was like all literally the same. imagine someone knocking on your office door and saying, like, hey, Amber, can you help? Can you help me out? I see this sign on your door that you help people with this and I need help with it. And you you're peeking out the window like, uh. <laughs> nope. I don't help people. I don't help people. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny. It's so funny. So I want to go back just a little bit before we dig into all the amazingness, because you and I could talk forever and normally yeah. do. Now is a little bit of a different period. So I'm going to qualify my question by saying now there might be kids that are going through like 
junior high and saying, I want to be a marketer when I grow up. But when you <laughs> and I were kids, that was not what we were saying. I want to Correct. be a digital marketer when I grow up. What did like 14, 15, 16 year old Todd think he was going to do with his life? I was on a TV show when I was in high school, when I was 15, 14. So I actually wanted to be uh, like a TV host. Like I was into communications and like it obviously wasn't content then. Um, but yeah, I, I was like into that. That's kind of what I thought I was going to be like a TV show host. Okay. Yeah. But the reason um, that I got there. The front of the scenes. Yeah. So the reason that I got there was because my girlfriend at the time in high school. Do you know the story or no? I don't think I do. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so my girlfriend at the time, we would meet up like between whatever third and fourth period, let's say I forget, like that's when our like paths crossed in the hallways. And, and that day, this day I go and she's not there. And I said to our friend, Oh, where is she? She's like, Oh, she's uh, auditioning for that TV show, uh, you know, outside the gym or whatever. And I was like, what TV show? And they're like, Oh, there's like this, like, um, you know, production crew or whatever. And they're like interviewing kids for this TV show. And I'm like, and you get out of class for that? And they're like, they're like, uh, yeah, I think so. I was like, yo, I'm there. Right. So <laughs> I just did it to skip <laughs> class. And I went, uh, I went out and signed up on the list and hung out and waited and did this whole like interview thing. And I was just there to BS. And they put like five or six kids uh, in the bus. And it was like, um, it was for a talk show after school talk show, like panel discussion type stuff. And they were like, uh, the question was something along the lines of if, uh, they say that they want to extend the school year, what do you think about that? And so every kid in the, in the group was like, well, I think that's a great idea because you know, more education or, you know, whatever ass kissing. And then like the next person was like, you know, uh, they say they say that, like, you know, when we get to school in September, we like it takes a while to get acclimated and you're not really learning anything yet. So I think if we started a month earlier, that would be great because then like we're really into. Yeah, I like took the microphone. I was like, look, if you're telling me that we're not learning enough in September, then I say <laughs> we cut we cut September out. And we should not be extending the school year. We should be shortening the school year. And you just come ready to go. And now we get longer summers. I don't think we need to be extending the school year if that's the problem. And so then, like, I'm, I do not care about this situation whatsoever. I'm there to just have an excused absence. And then it all, like, it wraps up. And then I'm, like, walking out to go back in. And like the producer like taps my arm and she's like, I think you're going to be hearing from us. And so, <laughs> and, um, and so I got selected as one of the kids uh, to be on the show. So I'll go, I live, I grew up like uh, 40 minutes outside New York city. So like once a week I would go into New York city um, to be on this talk show. For That's kids. so cool. And, um, yeah. So that was kind of mm -hmm. my first uh, foray into, into that stuff. Yeah. When, so when did you decide and me and how did you come into being the marketer behind the scenes? Was it just seeing that like nobody knew what they were doing and trying to guide people? <laughs> yeah, or? you know, well, it's interesting. It was actually like a natural progression, and and people of our age actually are very if if they're still doing if you started doing what I did and you're still doing it, there was a huge advantage because if you start a, a marketing career now, or if you start a new business now and you have to learn marketing you have to learn like a hundred different things, right? Mm -hmm. 
But when we came onto the scene, it was right when new digital stuff started coming out. And so I kind of learned like one or two things at a time as they came out from when I was a kid. So like that was on, that was like on the TV side of things. And like, there was no teaching or learning. Like it, it, it was super cool. Like I did not like, I didn't enjoy it in the present moment as much as I should have. Like when I think back to it, I'm like, man, that was really a lot. Do cooler we ever than I, though? Like, no, never. Um, but so that was then. And then like, um, I got, and then I started taking like the TV science class, like junior, senior year. So I kind of learned like editing and video editing in this is like 1999, 2000, 2001, very different than today. Right. Ain't so like this is like manual, like I'm V like there's VHSs involved in the process. Um, <laughs> Cut and so, tape and so like-, <laughs> like, yeah. So like I got like, I kind of like dabbled in that. Um, and then I got a summer job a new newspaper came out and they needed like freelance writers. They foolishly hired me as an 18 year old kid to like go and cover like town news stuff. And I had like the like first cheapest crappiest, like digital can I say crappy now, but like digital camera. And so like I was going and so like I, that I like, and again, no training or experience. I just like threw myself into these random situations and did it. Um, and like would write articles and get paid. I don't remember what it was like, per, you know, by the word or whatever it was like dollars. Um, and so, so that kind of, I like got a little experience writing and that turned me on to kind of photography. So then in college, I took like a digital photography class that just, they just came out with. And I learned like a little bit of digital photography graphic does that led to kind of graphic design and photo editing 3d, the 3d graphics started coming out at that time. So that was like the next step there websites became a thing at that time so i took so my degree is actually i have a certificate in web design because there was like one and a half classes about web design at the time so i took those two things so uh at the time of graduating college i was on the web design tip so like if i had graduated a year before where it was 3d maybe i would have been like working at pixar like i I just like the timing of when i graduated i happened (laughs) to be like on the website side of things yeah um and doing it there was a tool called flash at the time i was doing flash development um worked at good old flash yeah and then i worked at universal records out out of college craigslist job post that i got a job at universal records um which again like sounds glamorous it was not it was like barely minimum wage the office was like the size of my home office like but there were five 20 year old kids in there (laughs) and uh and so i was building websites our boss was like maniacal on i was churning out like three a day like and and this was like little wayne's website Stephen marley's website like but like some like big rock bands like legit things and i'm churning them out in like hours and you weren't allowed to ask questions he had a huge sign on the wall called google university and that said google and so anytime you went to even open your mouth you just went pointed up to the wall you had to Google three times before you were allowed to ask him a question. Now you can imagine, I hated this guy at the time, but that made me incredibly good at coding websites, <clears throat> which plays a role in the marketing side of things in the future. But it, it got me really good at coding websites. Everything had to be passed like all these very intense standards. And it got me really good at being resourceful and learning how to find the answers to questions. Um, So then next I ended up getting a job in corporate communications, which then involved now at this time, like 
publishing articles on a daily basis, but this was before WordPress or anything. So I'm like manually coding oh, article no. pages and manually edit, adding them up onto the corporate website. Um, this, and then social media started coming out. Um, so then that car, like as it came out, I learned it and was involved in it. Now, because of my coding, like none breaking my hand with the ruler approach to learning how to code websites, everything was perfectly optimized that I made. Mm. So then I got a flip camera for Christmas. And that was like the first, like iPhones did not have cameras on them yet. There's no videos on Facebook, Instagram, no, no Instagram, no Pinterest, right? Like YouTube just came out. Um, and so I get a YouTube, I get a flip camera for Christmas from my parents. And I'm like, yo, this is amazing for like five minutes. And then I'm like, well, what are we going to do with this? Cause I don't want to be an actor or director. So who cares? But at the time I was in my mid twenties. And my roommates and I had been just like going to the bar every night for dinner, spending a lot of money and eating like absolute garbage. So we wanted to learn how to cook. So I was like, yo, why don't we make cooking videos? And so once a week, we would get the best $10 bottle of whiskey that Bottle King had to offer. And we would just like figure out how to cook meatloaf or chicken parm or like, you know, like a dozen different things right like we just like got drunk and learned how to cook things we'd record on these flip cameras and because i'm just a geek like that i've made this website and because of how i made the website all of a sudden we get an we get an email notification from youtube and again 2009 it's not like today um i get an email and it says like so and so commented on your video and it was like oh you guys are so cute this was great i tried the recipe and it was and it was delicious, like, can't wait for the next one. And I was like, yo, who is this person? My roommate's like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, well, random person's not commenting on our video. Like, what is this about? And I looked and like, we had like 6,000 views in the first one. Oh my gosh. So I was like, whoa, okay, what happened? And, and so what had happened was because I like coded this website to be perfectly optimized just by na nature, that's just how I did things. And we made multimedia content for a particular niche audience of mid 20 bachelor in single people want to learn how to cook. Um, it, we were at the top of Google. If you Googled easy recipes, I was at you that my website was at the top of Google. Like, so over the course of like two months, these two drunken idiots had, we were at the top of Google for easy recipe for meatloaf, easy recipe for chicken parm, easy fettuccine Alfredo, right? Like all those types of things. Now, I didn't know anything about online business at the time, growing your list or anything. So uh, that died down pretty quick. Two drunken 20-year-olds you know, didn't really last that long in terms of a business project, but it had taught me like producing really quality content, multimedia content, the videos embedded on the website with appropriate text, which like now all of a sudden, 14 years later, podcast, you know, video podcasting with articles and you know, roll in chat GBT to distribute into all these different things. I'm like, yo, I've been doing this for 15 years. Like, yeah. um, and so I kind of just learned everything as it came out and just geeked out in these different areas and then tied them all together. Uh, and then when I left corporate, cause I just wanted to be on my own, um, you know, cubicle life just wasn't for me. I started building websites it was the easiest thing to get, um, easiest projects to get join local B and I's and got these mom and pop businesses, and um we had an electrician who hired us to build a website and publish the website like he liked everything along the way and then the next day 
he calls me and he's like, Hey, the website's broken. So I'm like, Oh crap, what happened? Right. So I, I go to the website, I'm looking for like broken images or, you know, like the page, like it's like not loading or something and everything looks fine. I'm like, what page are you looking at? What's broken? Everything looks fine to me. And he's like, well, I just Googled plumber and, uh, and we're not there. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not how it works. Right. So then I had to start, then I realized I was like, all right, I need to do a better job educating my clients on these types of things. Um, and so then when I started educating on clients and then they recognized they need these additional services. So that's when we expanded services, hired contractors, then full-time employees, then got an office, then burnt out, had a breakdown. Then, you know, <laughs> did some other stuff for a year or two, then, <laughs> then rebuilt out. Um, but yeah, so that's a long, a long winded answer on, on like how I got to where no, I am. But, it's, you know, it's hopefully so there's great. Fun, fun stories in there. It's so detailed. And then it's like, I did all of this great stuff. And then like, I hit rock bottom and yeah. then like had a breakdown and now I'm good. Like yeah. what's next. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. You know, I, I say in my book and it, it, this is probably one of my favorite lines in my book is that the problem with thinking that you've hit rock bottom is that the moment you say that the universe says, hold my beer. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're thinking about wanting it back the way it was when you thought yeah. you hit rock bottom. Right. So yeah. I love that. How to break down. Yeah. Which we all do because yep. that's where our, our identity shifts come from Yeah, is yeah, totally. what we think of as that breakdown. So, yeah. well, and, and look, the, the truth is what happened was I, and this was way before, like this was, uh, so I, bas I, I kind of like dwindled things down in 2017, 2018, um, right. Like March 1st of 2020 kind of got my feet on, on the ground again on, from the agency side of things. But this was before I had knew about coaches or anything like consult, like learn, like I was always into learning my craft, right? Like I'm an expert mm -hmm. at what I do, period. And I've always been like that, like love learning and diving into the things I do. I didn't know anything about managing money or P&Ls or finances. So like I had six full-time employees and a, and a office space and all that stuff. And like, and I, I'm like, I'm not embarrassed now because I like to share my story to help other people. But like, when we talk about, you know, especially in the entrepreneur world, we talk about like, oh, well, how much revenue are you doing and and things like that to gauge, gauge success. And, and there, it, you know, it matters in different areas, but I couldn't even tell you how much money I was making back then, mm -hmm. which is crazy to think that, you know, and I'm like, I was making pay, like I was making payroll, but so like I'm making, I'm quote unquote, making a lot of money on paper, but I personally wasn't making any money. And so I'm like, all right. I'm like, I have like five employees who are like getting paid appropriate salaries, but they're not getting rich. I'm like, I feel like there's a lot of money coming here, but I'm not getting like something's wrong in this equation. And like, I got to just kind of bring it down to the bones and start over. Um, and then, you know, then I started learning the other aspects of business and getting coaches and support in all those different areas and hiring the right professionals to do those things. So like I had an accountant and I was paying my taxes, which is de definitely important. But besides <laughs> that, like I just didn't like, I didn't know, like I thought that was all finance was in business, right? Like I was like, Oh, yeah. there's an accountant and my taxes are paid. Like, so we're, you know, we're good on that. Um, you know, I was, and there's so much more to it. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I remember when I opened my first business and it was my law firm and people always think I'm exaggerating when I say this. And the reality is I wish they could be a fly on the wall because it was pretty comical. I remember sitting in my new office being so excited. 
Um, I was renting an office in the back of an established law office. So I had my little room and my door closed and it was all me. I'm typing out, doing all my legal work. And I realized I got to mail a letter. So I go to the, I go to the cupboard and I realized that I haven't bought envelopes. I don't have (laughs) stamps. Um, I am surprised that I have like a pen to write with. And all of a sudden I realized like, I'm really good at being an attorney. I don't know how to do anything. Yeah. Besides this stuff. Like, yeah. What, like, like binder clips and paper clips? <laughs> like, where are those things? Oh, they're still at the store. They're I think still that- at the store. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made four or five trips to Office Depot a day for the first <laughs> like three weeks that I was in business because I had nothing. It was yeah. like there's a um old viral comedy skit that is maybe like three or four years old and it's um this this guy calls the cops because his wife's missing and the cop shows up and he's like I don't know where she went he's like maybe she sat on the magic coffee table and she goes the magic coffee table and he's like yeah this coffee table is amazing he says it doesn't matter what I leave on the coffee table the next morning it's gone like it's it's washed and it's in the dishes or or it's back in the cupboard he's like and i've really even tried to test it like i have piled this coffee table full of shit and it doesn't matter like every time i go to bed i wake up the next morning it's clean it's magic and there's a male cop and a woman cop and the woman cop is like you are a fucking idiot and the man cop is like no, he's 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 completely. I have one of those real. Too. Like I have one of those too. And, <laughs> and that's that's how I felt about this office. Is like, where's that magic cupboard yeah. where all the stuff just showed up in for yeah. me? And I think it's really important to have these conversations because so many people, like we, are amazing as a species of human beings to be so good at convincing ourselves that we're the only one that suffers yeah, and that we're the only ones that go through struggle. So we open this business knowing we've never ran a business before. And then we're like, oh, I don't even have envelopes. How stupid am I? I must not know how to do this. Everybody else that does this knows how to have envelopes. Right. Well, if you need to hear it, I did not have envelopes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that journey of, you know, figuring it out so much. Yeah. Shifting to... A little bit more of the now in the marketing side of things, you have some really cool approaches to marketing. And the one that has always stuck with me the most is the path of least resistance mentality, which is, you know, people come to you all the time and they say, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to say. Well, what are the last 10 questions that somebody's asked you and answer them? We still find a way to avoid that. But can you talk about some of the ways that somebody who says, I, I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to create. I don't know where to start. Where would that person begin in getting their message out? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great question and it's a simple and easy answer. The problem, like everything is in our identity is not in the answers to the question. So it's like, like you just said, all right, What's the best type of stuff to start with? What are the most frequently asked questions that you get, right? Like 
what's the last 10 things that your clients asked you? Make a list. Or even go back, if clients email you questions, look at your response, right? And then that becomes content. If it's short, it's social media. If it's long, it's a blog post. If you loom, it, you know, if you use loom or zoom, you're already on camera recording things and sending them to people. You're just sending it one-to-one. So the difference between talking with your existing clients and prospects and marketing is just using leveraged channels, right? So mm-hmm. like part of what took me from freelance web designer, local marketer to, you know, all these publications and people find me all over the country from social and, and search and hire us is in 2011, Hurricane Sandy hit, uh, or I'm sorry, 2012, Hurricane Sandy hit. And I was just like a freelancer with a couple like part-time contractors. And I was doing the BNI local business thing. So all my clients were local here in New Jersey and New York. And Hurricane Sandy shut down the whole like area for months. Like I had a client on Wall Street that didn't have phones for over six mm. months. It was, it was crazy. Uh, I was very fortunate that in my apartment building, we actually never lost power for like, it glitched out for like a minute. That was it. Um, but all my clients were shut down. So there was nothing for me to do. So I had no work and I had relied on local networking and business development to get clients. And I was like, all right, yo, it's time to start drinking my own Kool-Aid here. And so what I did was I sat down and I made a list of 50 questions that at Mm. my local networking meetings, people, what would people text me or call me about? What did people email me about? I sat down and I made a list of 50, 50 questions and topics that people would come to me for. How do I get more Facebook? How do I get more likes on my Facebook page? This is a long time ago, right? But like, how do I get more likes on my Facebook page? How do I organize my ideas uh, so I can write articles? How do I get my website to rank on Google? How do I blah, 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 whatever. I had that whole list. And then for 25 straight business days, I wrote two articles a day and promoted them on social. On wow. All social and so in 25 days, 50 articles published. Every Friday, every Friday afternoon, so Friday's second article was a recap and analysis of all my analytics for the last week plus for the last week plus however long it had been. And so that journey for that that did two things. Number one, every piece of content that I created on my blog became an asset for me, where like I said, Someone emailed me a question and said, how do I get more likes on my Facebook page? Again, I'm not suggesting that today's world. This was in 2012. But, and I email, and as I was emailing them back, I'm like, if I email them back, this one person gets to see my advice and it gets my help. Mm -hmm. If I put this on my blog and then I share it on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, everybody in the world can get this access to this advice from me. And so when we're having one-on-one communications with on things, we're limiting our ability to reach more people. And so all I did was emailed that person back and copy and pasted that. And like, you know, maybe rejiggered it a little bit and put that on a blog post. And then I posted that on Twitter and then I po- shared on LinkedIn. Hey, if you're wondering how to get more Facebook likes on your page, I just wrote an article. Here's the answer. Again, that's not the copy you use today's world, but that's what I did. Two articles mm-hmm. a day, long form content and short form content distribution everywhere. I was joining LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, connecting with more of my ideal people, doing all this stuff. 
So each one of those 50 articles became an asset that now I'm ranking on the first page of Google. If you're in San Diego and you search hire a social media agency, I'm number one. So people all around the country start coming to me for looking for social media marketing, right? So that ramped up my client acquisition and it ramped up my authority because I had all these assets and this library of content on my site. But because of the Friday analytics reflection, I also started getting the attention of experts in the marketing industry. And so the executives from like HubSpot, start, who's a huge like blogging at the time, like that, the, the executives at HubSpot started referencing my case studies and linking over to my website. I, I got quoted in a Forbes article, which I didn't find out for like three years later. Side note, set up Google alerts for your name, which I did not have. Um, but like I got quoted in a Forbes article based on the content that I was putting out. That writer never even reached out to me to ask or tell me about it. Like literally two, three years later, I was like, uh, someone was going to be doing a background check on me. I was like, I should probably Google myself. And I like, <laughs> and it, I was like, what is this? I'm like, did I leave a comment on this article? Why is this coming up? And then like, I read the article and I was, and they like quoted me and referenced. Oh, that's me so awesome. Like, yeah. Um, so sharing your, like sharing your insights and you, what you're already helping people with, like make a list of the questions and create, turn them into digital assets instead of the one-to-one, make it one-to-many. Um, yeah. You're already doing the work. And nowadays, like you're having Zoom calls with people, hit the record button. Yeah. Right. Like you're already doing these things, um, you know, so it's just digitizing the assets that are in your head that you're, you're already using one-to-one. How do you turn them into one-to-many things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so commonplace now for Zoom calls to be recorded. I feel like anytime I do a Zoom call, I record it only if even if only because I know somebody's going to say something that I want to go back and listen to later yeah. or because especially if there's multiple people on a Zoom call, if I'm using or if I'm focusing on one person and somebody else says something, I may not have heard that. And it might have been incredibly impactful. Yeah. And, and and I mean, there's the AI um, virtual assistants now that can transcribe for you, but I don't yeah, like they're, seeing they're them on my right. screen. And, and to yeah. me, it's just not the same environment. Yeah. So yeah. But, and to me also like shifting the, the lens, we're talking about this through a little bit, but from the recording on Zooms, like I also find it super helpful as a, like if I'm on a call with like my coach and my mastermind, I can be more present yes. knowing that it's recorded because I don't have to sit here. And like, sometimes, you know, like we'll remind each other, like, yo, eyes up, like pay, like you just asked the question. You don't have to write down the answer that we're talking about. Like, yeah, yeah. Jot it down if you want, but don't get distracted by note taking, be present in the moment and, and have an exchange and then you can revisit the recording or the transcription later to take your notes on what you want to extract from that. Well, and that's really interesting because as a coach, it's incredibly valuable. You know, we're always looking at what can we do to add value to what we're doing and how can we make this different than mm -hmm. just any other Zoom call you might jump on and to have it recorded and then give it to your VA and say, I need you to listen to this and anything I told somebody to do, I need you to write a task list for them and then email it to them and be like, based upon our coaching yeah. call, these are your tasks for this week because that way they don't have to take notes and yeah. they can focus. Yeah, that's so that's huge. really cool. Yeah. Um, 
One of the things that I think I keep getting flip-floppy answers for, and I'm interested on your opinion, is... Sorry, I talk in circles. I'm an, I'm an auditory processor, so no, when you I, are I, I just go all over the place. No, and I'm not flip-floppy from you, flip-floppy oh. from the industry. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh So okay. I should clarify that. Oh, okay. um, one of the things I get different answers on is everybody agrees that it's important to post content on multiple channels. Where people tend to disagree is whether it is important to do that at the same time or different times. So on something like you're doing an interview like this and you're live streaming it and you have the opportunity to live stream to multiple channels at a time, as a marketer, do you believe it's better to do that or do you believe it's better to post it individually at different times throughout the day on different channels? The answer is different for everyone based. I was going to say, you're going to give me the attorney answer. Yeah, of it depends, but, right, but this is, but this is true. I, I won't just say it depends. I'll tell you what it depends on. So you know what answer is right for you. So it depends on what your goals are and what your resources are like. So if the easiest thing is to go live and hit a go live button that goes to off to, to Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and then, and, and you have 45 minutes a week, and you you hop on and you do the interview and you just and and that's all you have then just then do that right if you have the resources to analyze your audience and and you have to post content for a while to get your own data on this like to analyze your own accounts but then you can use google there's a, a zillion different tools to analyze best time for you to reach your audience mm -hmm. on linkedin facebook youtube whatever um then you can schedule things out based on the best time for you, right? So like, number one, just get started and do whatever's easy. Number two, like if you have five people on your marketing team and, and a $10 million budget, like, you know, do then, yeah. then yeah, you can do, you could do a whole lot of different things. I, I don't think, I think most of the people listening are probably on this, on the leaner side. And so the first thing is like, whatever my answer is, don't let that be an excuse not to do anything. Right. Like sometimes that yeah. question comes from a place of not how do I do this well, but rather give me the excuse that I can't do it. Yes. Yes. Right? It's so like, true. And I'm glad you like if I was like, out. oh, the no, I was like, you really shouldn't do like because like, yeah, the right answer is no, you shouldn't do the same thing everywhere at the same time. That obviously can't be accurate for all different places. But then the, then the response to that becomes oh, well, Todd said that I need to find the best time to post on these five different channels. I don't even know how to find that, let alone be able to schedule those things and then I have to learn a new tool. So I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah. So don't let the answer be an excuse to not get started because you just have to get started. Yeah, 100%. I love that. So as we start to kind of wrap up, because I know that... Um, as much as you and I would like to talk all day, that's just not a realistic um, possibility <laughs> for our time. Um, this is the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast, and we all have so much of it in our lives. What is the biggest piece of bullshit that you have broken through in the past? What did you previously believe that you no longer believe that excelled your success? Oh, man. Um, what? I think something that I am still working through and you will always work through, but I think is an important thing to talk about is it's important to do hard things, right? Like mm -hmm. everyone knows that that's fine. Hard is relative. If you want to do 
I want to do really big things. I want to make a lot of money. Okay. If you want to do really big things and make a lot of money, you're going to have to do hard shit. 100%. But what is big and what is hard? $3 million is big to some people. It is nothing to other people. Some people make $3 million literally in their sleep. And there's other people who that is an impossibility that for them, it would take such grueling effort, climbing mountains all day, every day, no sleep, hardcore, like lay it all out on the floor to make $3 million. And so the bullshit that I'm breaking is like, is this like, what is big and, and what is hard? And like, what if this was easy? Like this is easy for some people. So why is it easy for them? Now don't trick yourself and think that it's all story because sometimes the reason making $3 million is easy for some people is because they worked out hard as fuck for 10 years. And so now that weight is light for them. Yep. But you didn't do the work yet for it to be light. Yeah. We were talking before we came on about Alex Hermosi's $100 million leads. And Mm -hmm. one of the things he says in there that I loved is like, we can come up with all of the excuses for why it was easier for somebody else. And some of those excuses might actually be valid, but but believing them doesn't serve us at all. So if we say they were able to get a hundred million dollar business because of this, 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 and this, that might be true. But does believing that serve you? Right. Um, I love the hard conversation. I love the what is hard and the defining those terms. You know how much I love defining terms. Mm-hmm. I think the dictionary has done us a disservice because we don't yeah. all speak the same language. Totally. Um, on that same parallel, the hard bullshit I had to break through was, yes, it's important to do hard things. What I missed on the flip side of that is that just because it's not hard doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. Mm. So when something wasn't hard, I would think I must be doing something wrong because it's important to do hard things and this isn't hard. So I'm doing something wrong and it doesn't have to be hard. So I love that. There's also times where like where we sell ourselves on this story. This is bullshit that I did break through and I'm back at it at the next level, but is that we make easy things hard because we think they need to be hard. Yes. All day. All you day. Know? And so they don't need to like easy things don't need to be hard for the sake of being hard. Like let, let them be easy. Let There's going to be hard shit. Deal with that when like, it's hard. Don't, there's enough you don't hard necessarily need to make things hard on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. There's enough shit. That's going to be hard. You don't need to make more. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I don't even remember what I was talking about with somebody. And I was like, I don't need anybody else to make my life harder. I do that on my own heart enough. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't need this to be any different. So um, Todd, I have no doubt that this is not the last time that we are going to have a conversation on this podcast. Well, I know I'll, that I'll it's not the last time we're going to have this I got your calendar link on the bookmark, so you can't avoid me. I know, right? All of a sudden, there's going to be a <laughs> podcast interview every week with Todd and my VA is going to be like, didn't we just do this? I'm like, yeah, but we have so much more to say. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you so much for coming on. Well, if you, you had, me. what do I got? I got three minutes, random round really quickly. Mm-hmm. First of all, if you could recommend any 
Um, actually, I'm going to save that. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? Time travel. That's super interesting. I would probably go to like a sports event. I would mm. probably go to the giant, the giant Super Bowl against the eight, the eighteen and zero Patriots. That might be a good one to experience. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, the last time I was on, I gave like a, I would go back and save the world answer. Like yeah. you know that was that You're was like I just want to. I just I was like do. now I'm like oh yeah. like go back and like look for some experiences. I oftentimes think not so much about time traveling physically, but I would love to be able to time travel uh, in my consciousness to go back and relive certain pieces of my my life. Something that I think I got from Hermosi is um, I, I do this every day, especially with young kids where um, I pretend that my old, my, my old self is time traveling to here. Mm, I love that. And, and I'm, and I'm living this moment for my future self to remember. And that will really recenter me into like being present with my kids or, or enjoying a present moment when I'm like checking out on something. I love that. And I probably should have prepared you for this question, but I didn't know I was going to ask it. So you get to have the same um, authenticity as me. Um, If you had one piece of advice that you could give the world, one thing that you wanted to be known for, if people thought Todd Genitasio, what is it that you want them to remember? Uh, That I'm here to help people with a powerful message reach and impact more people. I love it. And if people want to connect with you so that they can continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to reach you? I got a bunch of free stuff at thegrowthsuite.com slash free. Uh, That's sweet, S-U-I-T-E. You sign up for the newsletter there, or there's a bunch of free guides, templates, workbooks. Um, So if you do want to uh, reach and impact more people, there's free stuff for for you over there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Amber. Appreciate you too. Uh, And anybody, if you watch this, um, hit me up on Instagram at It's Todd G. I'd love to hear from you guys and let me know what you thought of the episode so we can make the next guest appearance even better. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you.